Coming up, are you a game developer who wants to increase the holy grail of all metrics or attention? Well, you're about to discover how adding online tournaments into your games will increase retention and monetization. Also, today's guest breaks down the elements of successful games and how their platform automatically creates tournaments with players of similar skills. Stay tuned. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Get unlimited content for your blog or company for just one low monthly price. Sign up and get your first article for free with our 14-day money-back guarantee. Learn more at copymasters.co. For just one low monthly price, you will discover our greatest growth hacks to driving massive downloads. You can learn more on appmastersacademy.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of appmasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content related to the app business to help you grow. Because I bring on amazing, amazing guests. I get tactical with them. And they teach us so many things that we can all collectively use to grow our business. Today, I've got a phenomenal guest. I met him through somebody I actually met at a conference. Her name is Jackie, so shout out to Jackie. But let me introduce the guest. His name is David Mock. He is the Director of Developer Partnerships at Skills, the worldwide leader in mobile eSports, which was just recently named the fastest growing company in America by Inc. Magazine. David, welcome to the show. Steve, very nice to meet you and it's a pleasure to be on this show. David, so with, for those who aren't familiar with skills, can you tell us a little bit about the platform? And I want to dive deep into how developers, because you know our audience is all developers, can really utilize skills. Sure, no problem. And so uh, at a high level here, and feel free to, um, we can drill down into specifics too. Yeah. Uh, but skills is a um, SDK. Um, or a tournament management system that any mobile game developer can put into their game. And it allows players to compete against uh, one another in tournaments. Um, and so the vision here since the very beginning for the company is uh, eSports is such a uh, quickly growing industry, um, multi-billion dollar industry um, in 2018 and beyond. Um, what we're trying to do is make eSports accessible for the other 99% of players uh, that can't travel to call it like Madison Square Garden or uh, another big venue to play in real time. Uh, so we're basically making it so that you can compete in esports and competitive multiplayer uh, from the comfort of your own living room or during your commute uh, to work. Uh, we make gaming um, and competitive gaming accessible to players at all levels. Um, so at a high level here, you know, society has always had a celebrated history of competition, uh, sports, and also um, playing games. Uh, esports is really the next frontier for anyone who wants to uh, enjoy the thrill of competition um, and skills. What we're doing is we're enabling developers to, uh, in a turnkey solution way, be able to just you know, put this uh, into their games. Mm-hmm. There's many specific features that we uh, tackle, and I can uh, hit those on the head, but some of the main features are things like player matching, account maintenance, anti-cheating and fraud, and geolocation. The list kind of goes on and on, but we just want to make it easier for developers to focus what they're great at, which is building great apps and building great games, uh, while we take care of kind of the 
the nitty gritty and the infrastructure. So is it more like, because I see these, I played some of these games where I can play synchronous, I don't even know, I always butcher that term, but I can play online at the same time with other players. But this is more like a tournament. Hey, you can win prizes and money based off of using skills. So I'm a developer. I use skills to put a tournament together where people can win real prizes. That's correct. Okay. Um, you, you can play in a variety of different tournaments. So uh, players can compete for, for free um, and they can just you know find out whether they've won or they lost. They can rematch different players. Uh, and then we have other types of tournaments which are player funded. And that's really in your typical tournament setting, players enter via an entry fee and then there's a prize for whoever takes the top spot. Uh, this is no different than, say, like the New York City Marathon, where yeah. you pay an entry fee to enter. Uh, the top runner usually gets a, a grand prize, and they usually deliver it through you know, like a medal, and they have a big check. Um, it's kind of the same thing, and uh, you can find a lot of offline analogies to to what we're running, uh, similar to uh, whether it's like golf competitions. It could be a rodeo, a spelling bee. Um, or running tournament, as I mentioned earlier. We're just trying to make this really scalable so that people uh, can play in, uh, whenever they want mm -hmm. and also uh, around the world. Uh, I think that the coolest thing about this uh, product is when you're playing a mobile game, you can actually know uh, how you you know stack up against other players. And this is kind of different, which we can hit on in a little bit, than yeah. a typical free-to-play monetization, which is um, whether it's more ad-driven or whether it's more... Um, based on in-app purchases or buying consumables or buying um, uh, virtual goods, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what I want to get into next is what are some things as developers we should start thinking about to really find success with skills? Yeah, sure, no problem. I can uh, dive into that. The great thing is that uh, skills has been operating for about seven years now. Um, and I'm just going to you know, uh, diverge a little bit and yeah. tell you a little bit about the scale at which we're operating in. And then I can go uh, deep on specifics and best practices uh, that developers can take advantage. Um, but in the past six or seven years, uh, the number of players we have on the network now is about 18 million. Uh, we work with over 13,000 developers. Um, and also the number of tournaments that we host daily is around 2 million. Uh, what? On average. Yeah. And that's, you know, seems like an incredible number. But when you're thinking about just the, the sheer amount that people um, love to compete um, and also play against whether it's their friends or like a rival that they've seen in, uh, in the lobby of whatever game they want to play, um, you start to understand why it's so engaging. It's because um, players are actually spending more time playing our games than uh, doing things like watching YouTube or uh, Facebook or Snapchat. And so we built a service that... Um, we think is pretty powerful for um, for consumers to to enjoy um, their favorite games and also to be rewarded and recognized for their efforts. But I think that's the very that's the number one thing that's very attractive for developers uh, is being able to tap into this market opportunity. And the way to do so uh, comes from a couple of things. Um, the first is building a great game. I think you know skills. It's not a silver bullet. It's not just going to magically help you build a million dollar, um, multi million dollar business overnight. Uh, you have to really build a game that um, players enjoy and that also has this level playing field concept because, true to our company's name, uh, we only power games of skill. So that's one thing I really want to clarify <laughs> is that we don't power any games that are predominantly chance based. Um, and so the genres which we thrive in. Um, are things like sports games, trivia games, puzzle games, um, bubble shooters, mash threes, 
anything where basically the, the litmus test is if you close your eyes and try to play, you're not going to win. Right. And this is kind of different than, you know, other types of games where theoretically you can play a slot machine or a roulette or other types of games that are predominantly chance based. We don't touch those. I see. So you're not even saying because I was thinking like maybe Crossy Road, but then Crossy Road or even Color Switch would be sort of you still require some skills. It's not like just pressing a button and like like slots, for example. <laughs> Absolutely. OK. Yeah. Um, if we, you know, genre wise, like a, a Crossy Road would be. Um, great game, by the way, would be like an endless runner style game. Uh, and then you have color switch, which is kind of this puzzle endless uh, variant. Um, those would work well with skills as well. But I think the, the one thing here is creating enough depth. And so for app developers, it's not just building a game that um, has a strong D1, but it's having kind of infinite replayability. Um, when we talk with our game designers, which you know are in-house uh, people on our team that kind of collect the best practices. Well, one thing they always tell us is that you want to create a game that's evergreen. Mm-hmm. And what that means is uh, it's almost like an Olympic sport. If you take whatever game or genre you're building right now and you think to yourself, if a player had to play this almost like an Olympic sports setting, what would that mean? And why would that not change over the course of you know decades, if not even hundreds of years? If you look at like the 100 meter or 200 meter dash, it's the same format as it was um, you know, hundreds of years ago. It's kind of the same thing that we found now looking at the data is when we find a successful variant of one of the genres that we power, specifically like a, a bubble shooter game. Uh, what you find when you download the game is that there's a three-minute session. Uh, if you clear all the bubbles, then your score doubles. Um, and also there's a timer um, for you know how well you do to, to isolate the amount of time that it takes to clear the bubbles one other kind of game design thing that we found is that the better you are as a player, usually the shorter session it takes. Uh, so what you don't want is a way for you know someone who's really good to take forever. This kind of goes with um, like this endless runner concept. You wouldn't want to play like a crossy road if you're the best player in the world and it takes you 10 hours just because um, <laughs> that that's a pretty large time commitment. I see. What else? So build a good game. Yeah. Build a good game. Um, select the right genre. Um, and I, I spoke about this a little bit in terms of like endless runners versus a, a puzzle game. So there's uh, more Tetris style based games in the skill system that do really well. Um, it's a testament also to kind of um, that particular type of puzzle game, which is that you can easily make it skill based because both players will get the same arrangement of blocks. You're basically isolating um, a lot of the random elements. And so it feels very fair. And um, that's something that's a core tenant to our system. Um, another best practice is certainly great onboarding and scoring. Um, you want to build something that, you know, just like any uh, app uh, ninja, app guru, uh, you want to build something that's easy to pick up, but also hard to master, meaning that there's all these hooks in the, in the game where you feel like you can get deeper and deeper and learn about um, like the metagame, whether it's, you know, being able to, to score higher than anyone's ever done before or taking advantage of uh, different features inside of that game. I'll, I'll point to a specific example. So um, if you play like one of the MASH 3 games, you'll recognize that uh, there's actually like these power-ups that pop up that you can take advantage of to get a score multiplier. Uh, these are things that may not be introduced to a novice player, but as you play more and more, um, you get to you know, uh, unlock these things and uh, it just makes it so that the lifetime value uh, from a retention perspective and also a monetization perspective uh, is increased. And so we work closely with different game developers to 
game developers to figure out how how to make this work. Uh, but certainly, we've had game developers that are, are so um, are so strong in understanding the system that they never cease to amaze us in terms of how well they innovate, and then they just come up with um, a success or a hit without ever even talking to us. Yeah, I like that. Anything else? Um, I think in terms of uh, tactics or strategies, that's uh, the main thing. I think the one thing I'd call out is with any app or game, um, just having very strong QA is really important. If we're talking about a competitive game that someone's going to play for five to six hours a day, um, that's a lot of engagement, uh, which I'm sure the developer uh, really enjoys seeing in like their dashboard and analytics tools. But anything that does... Uh, like a like a crash or some sort of lag or you know just you just really need to QA the experience because you're talking about something where someone can uh, potentially play for thousands of dollars um, over the course of a day or a week or a month um, and you just need to ensure that you've done a lot of QA there. Do you guys help with any type of user acquisition at all for these developers? Yeah, so in terms of user acquisition, um, there's kind of two buckets um, that we've done in the past. One is we've worked with developers on uh, communicating best practices on which channels we found are effective to, to scale their game. Uh, that's one way. So direct um, conversations with people on our team. And we've released white papers and also done webinars on how developers can uh, optimize their ad spends to, to grow their game. That's the first thing from user, user acquisition perspective. Uh, we typically expect, um, because developers are uh, they know the space really well in terms of UA. They are pretty savvy and sophisticated. They do a lot of the UA uh, by themselves, whether it's cross-promotion from um, other games in their portfolio or it could be doing uh, buying spends on things like uh, Facebook, Instagram, you know, Chartboost, AppLove, and the list goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very uh, nuanced way of obviously purchasing players that are going to compete. It's a little bit different than your traditional just you know, free to play, trying to get downloads to be as low as possible. Uh, and you're trying to target like a 25, 50 cent, $1 uh, install. And because the players on scale is what we found is that their LTV is so high that you can typically spend um, a lot more in acquiring them. So it's really giving kind of, kind of the indies, the medium sized studios a chance to thrive on, uh, on the app store. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say from a user acquisition perspective is because our network now is about you know, uh, 15, 18 million strong. Um, there is a lot of discoverability that comes from going on gamesoftskills.com uh, to find your latest titles. And then also um, there's, you know, light cross promotion in terms of if you're a player, you can find via an email uh, different uh, live events or tournaments that are going on in potentially other games as well. I think it just helps all developers on the network because certainly it's kind of like YouTube in the sense that the best content is always going to reach the top uh, and players almost vote with their, um, they vote with what they choose to download and and play time and time again. Yeah, I see a lot of bubble shooters, a lot of more like puzzle games, solitaire, I like this, block blitz on, I'm on games.skills.com. And I, th- I think one thing I'd love to add to that too, yeah. is because you've, you've hit on a really good point, which is, you know, just the types of genres. We really see this as just the, um, the tip of the iceberg. And that's going to come with, you know, better connectivity and also supporting other variants of tournament um, modes. So two big ones are call it real time turn based, uh, and also synchronous technology. And mm-hmm. we're going to be, you know, uh, making a concerted effort 
uh, in the next year or so to, to re release these types of technologies so that app developers can then get access to something that is uh, pretty uh, game-changing because you're looking at being able to play um, like a racing game or a first-person shooter or a um, like a MOBA uh, in a real-time setting. Uh, that's something that you know currently on the App Store only exists in different flavors and variants. A lot of game developers um, they use you know bots when it comes to um, creating liquidity because with anything synchronous, uh, nobody wants to be sitting in a lobby waiting forever uh, to match with a player. Right. No, I love that. I think that's definitely the future. One of my favorite games is Fun Run 3, and we love going to the arena with my son, and we love just playing with random people and just seeing who can survive. And that's the test. Like you got to be not in last place through different check marks and then place in the top three. So that's the only way you get not eliminated. Now, David, we talked about this before we hit record, but something I'm very fascinated about is the gamers themselves. And like I'm really asking for my son because I can't get him off of games, I have to like say, no, it's, you have to limit it. So I'm like, oh, well, this might be a good platform for him to just try out and maybe he can earn some money. You said there are some ways that gamers can earn money through the platform. That's correct. And the, the way they do that is they go into uh, one of the games that they download the App Store and they can make a deposit using like a Visa, PayPal, credit card. This would be something uh, that is more for adults, I would say. Uh, we typically have a you know 21 plus age rating, and so not sure how old your son is. But He's not 21, dude. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I'd say this is you know they can certainly compete more for um, uh, call it you know just you know, bragging rights. Mm. Um, we call it Z, which is a form of just like uh, virtual currency. It is uh, there's no uh, real world value to it. Um, about you know 80 percent or so of players just play for fun, uh, but for the people who are very very gung-ho about uh, their skills and their abilities. They want to play for uh, prizes. And this could be real-world prizes in terms of like cash. So you can actually win um, tens of thousands of dollars playing a solitaire game or a bubble shooter game. Uh, I think about six months ago, we released like the world's largest solitaire tournament, which is pretty cool because uh, ever since the day of Microsoft, I think solitaire has just been a game that people uh, really enjoy playing. And um, to see that expressed in, in such a competitive format and in a way where you know there's a six-figure prize associated with it uh, was pretty cool but to go back to your original question which is like has your like has someone play um, we want to offer tournaments and competition for all levels in terms of the spectrum of, of players and enjoyment so um, we see really if you look at offline sports too there's people that play for casual competition that just you know go to the gym and play a pickup game and there's no skin in the game, there's no prizes associated with it. And then, you know, if you advance up in terms of skill level, you have people that play um, more player-funded tournaments. These things could be like golf tournaments, or it could be like that, uh, like a marathon with a prize associated with it. And then at the highest echelon, where people, if they close their eyes right now and they think of esports, they think of those professional players um, that are playing, whether it's League of Legends or Overwatch or uh, other games like that, that's like the, you know, your, your, your 0.1% of players, uh, and those prizes will typically be brand sponsored, if that makes sense. Just like how in the NBA, so much of the uh, revenue comes from um, brands and also from um, advertisers, uh, that's or, or from stadium tickets. It's kind of the the world we're living in now, where within different genres of games, what we're going to see is this entire pyramid of competition. The cool thing about skills and how we empower developers to be successful is that they can basically own that entire pyramid of competition for their game. Oh, I like that. And are you, for developers, is it 
like these brands, is that stuff that you guys are bringing to developers or is that something that we have to go reach out and do ourselves? So that's, um, it's, I would say it's a two way street. Um, we certainly for the right types of titles and games, we want to be very proactive in terms of using our existing relationships to reach out to brands. Um, one cool thing about the company too, is like we've been, uh, backed, uh, by the owners of like the new England Patriots and Milwaukee Bucks, the New York Mets, the Sacramento Kings, and the list kind of goes on there. Um, we for, for different types of games, it's almost like there's different strategies in terms of marketing the game to the constituents of um, uh, the game as, as well as brands that would also complement that game. Uh, so what we do is usually for a game that's pr- sh- uh, shown to be successful, they work with their account manager, uh, which we have in-house skills to, to craft up a pretty comprehensive uh, like marketing plan mm-hmm. to be like, hey, here are the different brands that might make sense. And we run some pretty great, uh, call it uh, not-for-profit, um, not, uh, not-for-profit tournaments as well. Um, so, for example, we've partnered with uh, Susan B. Komen, uh, done a lot of tournaments to raise awareness for breast cancer where we donate the proceeds. Um, that's one example. Uh, other examples could be just working with um, you know other uh, consumer brands to uh, to offer prizes and also to brand the experience, um, whether it's from you know the email marketing to the push notifications to the tournament experience to the prizing. Uh, this is no different than you know what you see in offline sports. We're just taking what has worked for hundreds of years in the offline world and extrapolating that to uh, uh, this no- new form of media uh, using multiplayer. Um, competition. David, what I want to move on to next is from a monetization standpoint, how do you think about monetization in the context of multiplayer competition? I mean, how do we as developers try to make money from these competitions? Yeah, I'd say first and foremost, uh, competition and multiplayer is just a deeper sense of engagement and retention. So anytime you have uh, a mechanic or a hook where people stick longer, you're going to find inevitable ways to monetize that competition. Um, I'd seen you know, uh, ads is one of the primary models to, to make, uh, to generate revenue from, from free to play games. Um, and certainly when you have 80% of your player base competing just for, uh, bragging rights, you can certainly do things like you know, show more interstitial ads, show more rewarded video ads. But I think the most powerful thing about skills, uh, is that it is a, a social network that comes with a built in monetization, um, tool, which is, uh, player-funded tournaments and also brand-sponsored tournaments. So with player-funded tournaments, uh, what we found to date is that from an average revenue per daily active user perspective, you can expect something like 18 cents uh, upwards to a dollar in terms of um, ARPED out, which is pretty mind-blowing. Um, just to take a step back, that's comparable to you know your highest uh, monetizing maybe RPG games in free-to-play. Um, and the great thing about that is just because players keep entering um, their tournaments to compete for prizes. And there's this meta game of, you know, winning the leaderboard or winning a bracketed tournament or winning um, like a daily challenge where uh, it keeps them around. I think by way of analogy, you can imagine most app developers, they're sending a push notification and saying things like, you know, unlock your new uh, deck of cards or your gems are ready for download or something like that. But imagine if you are able to send out a push notification that says something like find out if you won your like $15,000 tournament, you can imagine how sticky that game gets and also how much people want to return to, to find out um, whether they have become the champion and what place they've uh, 
they've received in a tournament. Uh, it's kind of comparable to if someone tags you in a Facebook photo with that little red flag, uh, yeah. you automatically, you know, go in there right away and you're like, oh, I wonder if it's a good photo or a bad photo. <laughs> right. The the player sponsor tournaments, is that something that like players are saying, hey, this is up for grabs or they can say, hey, here's the entry fee and then I'm going to take a percentage. What are, what are the, what are the player sponsored ones? Yeah, like player funded tournaments, player sponsored tournaments. Typically, we have right out of the box uh, different uh, entry fees and also different prizes associated with it. So, for example, you could enter for sixty cents or enter for a dollar, and you can win, you know, like a dollar um, with that sixty cent tournament uh, or like five dollars. There's basically different things that we've done right out of the box to make it easy for developers to um, to experiment. They can certainly tune them in terms of changing the uh, entry fees as well and the prizes. Uh, what we found, though, is that it's really a function of liquidity, meaning you don't want to offer really high-stakes tournaments until you have the player population to support it. Uh, so you might want to start off the box with you know, like smaller uh, tournament entry fees and also uh, smaller prizes so that people can, uh, can start playing, start feeling how good they are at the game. And then from there, you can start doing some really cool things like offer um limited time unlimited entry tournaments so for example it could be you know in the next 12 hours you can enter as many times as you want it's a dollar to enter uh the, the grand prize can be thousands of dollars um the the cool thing there is i think it's just whenever you play a tournament um you really get that rush and that thrill of needing to um be on your a game so to speak uh sometimes when i'm playing like a multiplayer game um if there's like nothing on the line uh it's it's not boring it's just that you know it's kind of the same experience um and i'm just winning you know uh it could be a gold coin or it could be uh like a virtual good which is interesting but at the same time if if i know that the other person is trying on the other side um it makes it pretty fun i think i hear you man yeah, skills I think we do really well. It's like where you know that when you're being matched with a player of similar skill that the other person is trying, you're like, wow. Like It's almost like when you go to the arcade and you, you're playing Mario Kart, um, you know that the other person, you can see their reaction, you can see them uh, play, and it's and there's something on the line. Hey, man, as a family, we'll play Uno and something's on the line. <laughs> it's like even if it's small, like who gets to decide what we eat for dinner, we'll put something on the line just to make it interesting. I need that adrenaline rush for me. But when you say player sponsored, is it something like that I organize? So I say, hey, Steve's going to organize this tournament, and then I'm going to invite David, and I'm going to invite Amanda, I'm going to invite all these people. Like, is that what it, how it works when you say player sponsored? Oh, so th- this our system um, basically algorithm, algorithmically we match players of similar skill, and so we can you enter into a tournament, and um, based on other players in the system, they'll be mashed up right away. And you can see, you know, their profile picture, you can click in, see their ranking, you can chat with them uh, so that you know that they're a real person. You look at their, um, how many trophies they've attained. And so the the matching happens right when you enter into a tournament. Um, and you can also do some cool things like rematch them, or you can um, even privately challenge them afterwards. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. But, but is a developer initiating these tournaments or is it just the platform that's doing it automatically or is it the player? The platform handles all this uh, right wow. out of the box, which is, I think, you know, for even really large companies, uh, player matching is something that is a uh, pretty tough uh, tech challenge to solve in general because you need to make sure that the matching happens fairly quickly as well as also um, something that 
is um, fun. So, you know, the, it doesn't make sense if I can't mash with like Steph Curry and have to shoot free throws against him, right? Like I'm, I'm going to lose. But if you, um, if, if we're matching you up with a player where you're like, okay, I have a pretty good shot of winning um, and you see them in these tournaments over time and you see where they stack up against the leaderboard, um, that's the cool factor when um, you just don't know exactly, you know, how you're going to do. Um, one of the uh, key game design tenants that we share with our developers too is that when you're designing a game, what you want is if a player loses the tournament, they kind of blame themselves in, in terms of their performance. They don't blame the game. And one of the things to know here is like it's almost like in an endless runner. Um, one of the things that make it tough for like uh, skills in general is that sometimes if you're really good at that game, you get to a level where it's just so quick. Like everything's just happening so fast that you might be like, oh, my phone was just too slow to support it. And I mm -hmm. somehow slipped and I hit a tree and I lost. Right. That's not what you want in a skill based game. You want to make it so that players have that sense of agency and that sense of control. So they're like, oh, if only I hit this last shot um, and cleared the board and bubble shooter, if only I was able to exit out of the like the solitary deck because I knew I completed the deck then I would have won the tournament and I would have got the score multiplier. Um, you want to give that player that sense of agency so they know they're fully in control um, so that it wasn't up to chance, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. David, anything we missed that we didn't cover before we uh, hit the big finish? I think in general, it's, uh, it's really that you know, Skills offers developers a way to um, monetize their game as well as make their game really sticky for players. Uh, if you want to learn more, visit developers dot skills dot com uh, to learn more. But other than that, I think the uh, the goal is to work with more and more high quality developers to help um, power the future of gaming. That's awesome. Well, David, before we hit the big finish, I do want to say something about my other business that I've got. Look, if we launched copymasters.co a while back, this was 2017, I had this need that I want to turn these awesome podcast episodes, like David talking about monetization, about successful growth channels, about the elements of a successful game. That could easily be a blog post on its own. And so I started thinking about hiring a writer that could just condense some of the information that David has provided for us into a blog post and that could that way it could just not be like a transcription or a summary it could just be a great blog post on its own with different examples and stats to really back it up and so i had this need for myself and started started building it and i told my friend like hey i'm building this would you need it he's like yeah i need blog posts because i want to go seo and another custom another friend's like yeah i need customer testimony customer testimonials can you just talk to these customers get some questions and create customer testimonials so that's what we found copy masters that's what we do best when you got an element when you got things that you want to write things that are in your head that you want to say, or maybe you just prefer a talk rather than write stuff out, that's when we come into play. So it's it's an unlimited copywriting service for one low monthly price. You can send us as many requests you want and we'll take we'll typically turn it around in about one to three business days and get it back to you. I've trained my writers on what makes a compelling blog post. So if you like my writing style, they understand how I like to write, what makes a great blog post. So check it out. It is copymasters.co, copymasters dot co david this has been absolutely amazing but let's go to the big finish give us one app we definitely have to check out <laughs> i would say um in terms of apps certainly a bit biased but check out the skills games uh on games.skills.com but other than that i would say i'm a lifelong user of twitter um and that's just something that i took a break from it for the last three or four years but i when i go back now there's just so much amazing uh conversations going on in the app space in the tech space um 
and it's almost like revitalized now. And yeah. so I recommend people just go back on Twitter. It's like a 24 hour cocktail party uh, where you can talk to so many thought leaders. And so um, it's a pretty easy plug there, but certainly um, going back to Twitter. That's really cool. What's a, what's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? Ooh, um, I'd say there's no, there's no such thing as an overnight success um, when building a you know, tech company and building a great app. Um, the cool thing is we get to empower developers to, to build great apps, but skills in general, if you think about it from a product perspective, is also uh, an app. Um, and so you know, we had all these features that we planned right from the beginning in terms of like a, a gamer portal, things like being able to privately match your friends right from the get-go, synchronous tournaments, and the list goes on. But um, it's really making sure that you handle monetization first because that's the thing that developers care about. And then later on, you, you tackle things like engagement and retention. A lot of people think in terms of um, if you're building a game, you, you typically go for engagement and retention first and monetization last. But if we are a vendor, we're a service, we want to make sure that our system can really help um, you build a successful business right from the get-go. Uh, it took us a while to, to roll out the product features to support that. But now we're seeing with each SDK update that we do, uh, our ability to help developers uh, monetize uh, keeps increasing, which helps because you know it's really hard out there for game developers to build apps, really hard for um, developers to find ways to drive discoverability. Um, the more they can monetize, the more they can spend and, and grow um, their audience. If you guys want to learn more, you're a game developer, you're a developer, you want to add skills, it is once again developers.skills. Dot com. That's skills with a Z, the cool way of spelling skills, developers.skills.com. And David, if the listeners want to do a pickup game with you in terms of basketball or play Counter-Strike, David was a competitive Counter-Strike player. Do you want to send them personally to wherever to follow up with you? <laughs> sure, no problem. Just shoot me an email at dmok at skills.com. Uh, much more of a basketball player now, but certainly I <laughs> uh, enjoy all forms of uh, video games as well. Awesome. Well, it is dmok at skills.com. If you got anything on this, find a way to thank the guests like I'm about to do now. David, thank you so much for coming on thank and doing you so this. Much. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters Podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.